Welcome back. Well, after a brief hiatus, welcome everybody to that another brief hiatus, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy. Uh, with me always is my co-host John Gillen. John, how are you? It's been a while. It has been a while. That's all right. That's my name too. My name is John Gillen. So it is yes mentioned. Yeah, my name is not Dylan Murphy. Or how's that song go? John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. That's my name, name too. Is my name too. Oh, yes. And the rest. Yes. And the good, rest. Good. And the rest. Um, not the best start. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 a, this. That was a bit of a tangent on your part, John. I have to. Oh, I, have to. I will. I will take the brunt of the blame. Please, Please write do. in excoriating me or Dylan. You can excoriate Dylan too. That's that's yeah. Fine, fine by Just me. Leave, anyway. leave a five star review and excoriate John. Just, just, just in that order. That's, that's all you need to do. But do make sure you leave a five-star review in the process. Yes, exactly. Um, we've been on a bit of a break. Uh, John's been taking over business stuff, and I have started a new desk job. And uh, I, I play the role of a desk. No, I don't. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's been a bit, a bit hectic. But we were like, Ooh. come on, let's do an episode. And here we are. So, yeah, it's good to be back. John, have you my lick of the week or my latwa? Your Latwa is is loaded and locked and ready to go. Should I say something beforehand? I feel I probably should. No, no, I kind of, I kind of think maybe you shouldn't. Okay, we'll just we'll, it. we'll run with it. Here we go. Yeah. What? Uh. Okay. Whew. Um, it's not you, is it? No, it's, it's, it's not me. I wish. Oh, okay. But it did uh, play a big part of my childhood. It does have sort of this like, uh, like Nuno Betancourt picking run sound to it. Yes. But yes. I don't think it's Nuno. No, it's, uh, it's, it's almost certainly not. But is it roughly the same time period, kind of mid-90s? Yes. Good shout on the time period. Maybe a little bit earlier. Okay. I don't think you're going to get it. <laughs> um, gosh, yeah. Um, it's, it's a little too, like it does kind of have that sort of, like I said, there's, there's sort of Nuno picking, but the run kind of has a classic like Iron Maiden vibe to it. But I love, I love all the influences you're giving. Uh, up here. I just, I can't, I can't put my finger on it, man. Yeah, there are listeners that are screaming. <laughs> sure. Well, you're probably going to say it. And I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to bury my head in my hands and you're going to take over the rest of the episode. But yeah, go ahead. So, Jed, I was thinking of like, what's something that we haven't done? Because we've all, you know, Petrucci and Vi and all these different things. Like, what, what, could I, what kind of curveball could I throw out here? Um, this is the Power Rangers theme tune guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So yeah. tell me about this. Like, who is it? So it's, I believe it's like, it's a song written by, I think it's a Japanese lad. Um, no, it, yeah, he's, uh, it's your man. Let me just check now. Did you have it written down here? He's basically like a studio producer named, let me just check here now his name, uh, Kusa Machi, and it's performed by, I think it's by one guy um, named Aaron Waters. But there are loads of rumors online that this is like Buckethead. 
like a lot of you know go into some forums and you know you, you'll find what people thinking i can't get an actual name but one of the reasons why i picked it is that it has inspired so many youtube covers like it's just one oh, of those yeah. things that has such a badass nostalgic just kick-ass solo and do you know that i was i was going i went down a bit of a rabbit hole in terms of like those 90s theme songs do you know that that you know, i don't know if you remember the um 90s spider-man animated series uh spider i can't do it oh, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got a it's got a really good guitar lead and it's joe perry from aerosmith no way that makes so much sense so have yeah. you seen this guy the the meets metal guy i honestly can't remember his first name I believe so, yes. I'm yeah, YouTube. YouTube guy. He, he just does, you know, pop songs, television songs, and he does, a, like, a metal shred cover of the thing. But I had a student show me the Spider-Man one, and he puts the talk box on and everything. And it just, yeah, it makes perfect sense that it's Joe Perry. It's Joe Perry with his talk box in the mid-90s. Like, he loves yeah. it. It's his favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think, that, yeah, I was just thinking of some, I just, some get themes you know when you're a kid they just stick with you and some of the guitar parts i remember the third rock from the sun has this amazing like rockabilly uh, oh, yeah. guitar theme as well which is Who, that was another guy like it was it wasn't brian setzer but it was one of the other big rockabilly guys from that time period and i can't yeah. remember who I that was one of me, you like... dear listeners if you know please shoot us a message and we'll mention your name and the thing on the next episode so only we had some way of looking it up uh, <laughs> let me just check now so it is so it is uh apparently it's the same guy that actually wrote the theme for that 70s show oh, really? uh, yeah uh but com- composed by ben vaughn is his name so yeah it doesn't say who actually played it here but i'm sure there is um info out there on the guitar player but it's yeah it's, it's great rockabilly stuff anyway some little 90s tv action for you there on our guitar podcast uh yeah so any other like famous guitar bits and tv or movie themes that stick with you uh saved by the bell yeah yeah classic yeah there was i actually remember a guitar player magazine that i got from there's a shop here in town that has old guitar player magazines that you can buy for like 50 cents or a dollar and i distinctly remember when i was learning that or, or when I was learning guitar, I picked up one of those magazines and it had it in there. I think it was Steve Morris had like tabbed out the thing and talked about it in one of his articles back when he was writing for one of those magazines. But okay, yeah, that's yeah, that was it's just kind of like it's a simple early rock blues riff. But there's some fun little bits in there that kind of stick out yeah, there there is. And like it's it's funny how maybe in the nineties or it was just it was just such a prominent instrument in all pop music that you can think of so many more guitar led themes like even the opening riff to friends yeah really yeah. catchy really memorable um uh, too like come on as well yeah yeah, um, yeah and the loads of things like uh oh the transformers theme like yeah, go go back to the 80s but yeah transformers theme had some ripping stuff and then they had the uh when they did the movie trying to remember i think the band was called lion or something like that that sounds about right (laughs) i mean there were there was there was like a white lion and then i think this was just lion or something and but yeah they they did the the theme for the transformers movie as well just kind of a ripping ripping solo in there very 80s very hair metal 
what a time to be alive. Ah, uh, indeed. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> so, John, we are going to start off with Gear Talk. And I think one of the biggest gear stories that's come out in the last few weeks is the, uh, I don't want to use the word renaissance, but the, uh, the comeback, if you will, of Gibson. And we have spoken about Gibson and their kind of fall from grace over the last year or so. Um, so, yeah, so they're back in well, pod form. I mean, their PR machine's back anyway. So. It is. Very much. <laughs> they, are, they are working hard, um, which credit to them. But, yeah, I, I'm not overly impressed yet. And the stuff I still see on the shelves, like, it's not like they did a mass recall of everything that was already out there. So yeah, exactly. I have a little bit of a wait and see attitude, but you you were checking out the the latest line of stuff that they've got coming out uh, that just came out uh, end of last month. And what's what do you make of all of it? Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's interesting. I mean, there's they, you know they weren't at Nam. Was it last year they weren't at Nam? Yeah. Uh, they they skipped a show and it's it's you know people were interested in it there and it seems like they really did have a lot to rebuild. Matty O'Callaghan, friend of the show, has uh, been on talking about he did a really good report on the kind of the fall of Gibson. So they're back and one of the things they're trying to I suppose focus on two things really kind of spring out. The guitars look really good that they bring out. I mean, okay, the first thing to, to mention is it's all the same stuff from before. It's Les Pauls, it's SGs, it's there's an explorer, you know, it's, there's, um, mm-hmm. you know, they've got a Les Paul, a few Les Paul juniors. It's, it's the same stuff. There's no new model, but they've definitely kind of paid some, paid more attention to the look like the, these guitars look really good. And it looks like some of the prices have been shaved down as well. Um, so for example, like, you know, $900 off a new Les Paul standard when compared to the, you know, $3,500 price tag of the 2018 model. Still a lot of money. But, yeah. you know, they clearly are trying to make an effort. Um, they've also, you know, they've got the Gary Clark Jr. signature out now. They are, you know, we've talked about you know, signature models in the past before, like, do they work? Um, so, yeah, there's, there is some stuff there. But the whole thing that's really interesting from my perspective is that I've heard about this from so many different sources, be it Ultimate Guitar or everyone on YouTube is talking about this. The Andertons guys recently did a video on the, you know, the brand new Les Paul standard. And... You know, it's 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 all over YouTube, so I, I don't know. Uh, Gibson, what do you think? Do you think this is like a desperate last, you know, effort to try and establish them, reestablish themselves? I don't know if I'd quite go so far as last effort, and I do yeah. certainly hope this keeps them out of. You know, there were a lot of rumors of Chinese companies just kind of buying them up. If that were to happen, I think that would be a disaster. Uh, yeah. you know, it's just, there's, there's the heritage of the company. And I think when you start involving too many buyers from outside that don't understand it, you're going to end up right back where they were. But what, what you said about like the guitars look good, um, at least their quality control seems to be back on board just by looking at the guitars. I mean, because a year two years ago, they were putting out pictures of guitars with chips in them things that weren't routed properly and the internet was just pouncing on these and just destroying Gibson Ford. Like, what are you doing guys? Um, and this was funny. I was talking to someone who had mentioned one of the first things the new CEO did was put more lights on the production floor. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Or as, as he put it, put lights on the production floor. I assume there are some lights 
but now they actually have better lighting. They can actually see what they're doing. So if that's really the case, like that just boggles my mind at like how far down things had gone where it's like, hey, we'll save costs by pulling a few light bulbs. Like guys, seriously, like this is not the way to shave costs. <laughs> like, Good God, no. Yeah, I think don't some of your unprofitable electronics brands that you shouldn't have bought in the first place. Like that's how you stay profitable. But what do I know? <laughs> you sounds like you should be the new CEO. I think one of the things as well is that there's there's more competition now than ever we were talking about this mm. before just in terms of what you can get i mean gibson are rock guitars but you know there's never been a better time for rock guitars you've got all these different brands now that are being established and oh, yeah. that have been established and you know ibanez are killing it you've got chapman guitars in the uk mm. you've got so many different you know so much more competition now than the 70s or 80s when gibson would have been in its heyday yeah i think so and that's the thing like i actually had this conversation with a student yesterday um and he said hey what do you think about gibson you know and i'm kind of looking at spending what did he say you know maybe around two thousand dollars for a guitar and i was like don't buy a gibson <laughs> you know i, I mean yeah, unless unless there's something about it that's really nostalgic and it's the right guitar for you. You know, that's fine, but I feel like in terms of feel, playability and sound, you can get that same guitar for $1000 less. You know, yeah. 2000 tw even 2500 barely gets you into the door to the custom shop. Mm -hmm. $2500 for a PRS is going to be a smoking guitar. Like that's going to be a great guitar. Yeah, or a sure, or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. I mean, twenty five hundred gets you um, a, a Sir guitar like mine. I think goes for. I bought it for about that price. Uh, now, because of the add-ons I have, like prices have gone up. Let's be honest, but that's it's still like thirty five hundred. So you might not be quite breaking the custom shop on some of those things, but at the same time, you know, you could buy like three Chapmans for that price. If you can find ones that you really like uh, other ones like Ola England has launched his solar guitars. You've got Legato guitars. Now these are kind of shred machines. Um, Ormsby, which is an Australian builder, again, sort of a shred machine, not necessarily something I would recommend, but for someone who's like, Hey, you know, the Gibson body style, the Gibson sound, that's what I want. But um, the same student is kind of looking at, the music man guitars which for 2500 yeah. bucks you get a really great guitar for that like the axis um you know and there's money left over you can spend 15 to 1800 on a music man access you're going to have an absolutely or access i guess have a fantastic guitar and have money left over to i don't know buy pedals a kemper or whatever buy an amp you know so that's that's my only contention is i just don't see Gibson's kind of banking on the name, I think, to still charge as much as they're charging. You mentioned they've knocked $900 off, which I think is good. But again, if I'm going to spend 2000, 15, even $1,500 to $2,000, i am kind of looking in the $1,500 range sometime maybe the next year or so to drop on a guitar, which isn't a lot. But, you know, I'm more inclined to look at maybe a hollow body PRS or maybe um going with one of these other shred machine guitars or get one an eight string headless for the heck of it you know so <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it's just, it's the look, isn't it? it I think it's just in terms of, so can I ask the student that wanted to, um, you know, spend two grand on a, mm. on a Gibson, was he a beginner or was he, you know, a bit more of a mature student in terms of like his age? Was he like a, you know, a, a, Yeah, I would say he's kind of early, middle-aged, like late 40s, early 50s, has a little more disposable income, kids are out of the house yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I mean, that was the thing, like part of the reason he was asking is like, what do you think music man or Gibson? And I was like, between the music man and he has a, he has kind of a mid range PRS, like six, $700 PRS, which is a great guitar. Um, and it was like, honestly, if you have this, like, why do you want, why would you even consider a Gibson? Yeah, because absolutely. The, your $800 PRS is going to be just as good as any $1,200 Gibson. Yeah, so, I love, I, I have like an $800 PRS and I freaking love it. Um, you, you have yeah. a, what is it, the SE Custom, is it? SE Custom, yeah, 2018. Yeah, it's, okay, it's, you know, it's really gorgeous. Cool. And yeah, I've got uh, another student who picked one of those up and they play great. I mean, look, yeah. if Gibson is really what you want because it's what you grew up with and maybe you had one, like that's totally on you, but I think you can get way more guitar for your money these days. And these guitars look fantastic. I got to say that. Look, they look like great pieces of wall art. Yeah. But if you're looking, can I, can I just, I'm just going to add one thing as well. Um, there's a, so if it's a look that you're going for, I mean, in terms of like a Les Paul shape or something along those lines, there is a British brand called Gordon Smith. And what you do is you go onto their website and they have all these different Les Paul models that they make, but they custom make them for you. So you literally go down and throw all these drop down menus and they will custom create a Les Paul for you to your specifications for like 800 pounds. It's great. What? Yeah, the guitarist from Smith. Holy yeah. cow. So great. And the guitarist from Real Big Smith, Real Big Fish, blah, played it. Manic Street Preachers guitarist, um, uh, James Dean Edwards, he plays one as well. I mean, it's, there's, there's just options. If it's a look that you're going for because you grew up watching Slash, you don't have to get a Gibson. Even you Epiphone know, are really good. Yeah, well, and that's as weird as that is. You know, if, if you spend eight to $1,200 on an Epiphone, it's almost no different. Let's say if, if you spend $1,200 on an Epiphone Les Paul, it's almost no different than a $2,000 Gibson, which yeah. is mind boggling. I don't understand how that's a thing. I don't know how it works that way, but I've played some of those Epiphones and I'm like, why would I spend another $1,000 just to change the nameplate? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's snobbery. And I mean, you know, the, there's, there's kind of a, you, you can look at the Schecters or the LTDs that have a similar body style. And those guitars play great and sometimes better than a comparable Gibson as well. So you're, I think you're totally right. Like there's, there's so many other options. I think it makes it really difficult for Gibson to make a comeback. Um, yeah. And they're kind of in a way like a nostalgia brand, even Fender. Um, I had a conversation with another student along the similar lines and there's a company called Nash guitars which if yes. you want to spend 1200 bucks or even up to $2,000, like I would buy a Nash because again, you can go ahead and customize what you want on it, get the look you want, get the paint job you want. If you really like that kind of worn look, like road worn look, they'll do it for you. And that doesn't cost you extra like it does at the Fender custom shop. So, you know, yeah, I Fender and Gibson, I think 
are riding on the nostalgia effect. And I, I don't know how you restructure from where they are and figure out a way forward when you have, um, and it's difficult for them too. You know, I'm looking at PRS's latest line um, and they've got some crazy colors and they like this lime green and these weird like cherry bursts and purple bursts that, that look fantastic, but I get the feeling most people, you know, the, the lawyers and doctors who buy the Gibsons at the $3,000 mark are not going to buy any of these crazy colors or not going to go in for any of the innovations. I mean, every time Gibson tries some sort of mechanical innovation, everybody laughs at them, myself included. But <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, the thing is that they've like PRS, the difference between a brand like PRS and Gibson is that PRS have stayed on top of everything. They know that bands like Periphery are in, so they're going to kind of capitalize on that, you know, with their custom right. series. It's just that it's just they've they've stayed on top of everything. They've consistently put out better and better guitars and they've just become associated. They've become kind of their own brand name with players like Santana, you mm-hmm. know, and and a lot of the you know, the prog guys or the, uh, you know, the, the, the heavier guys as well. It's, it's yeah. crossing up boundaries there when, as Gibson is just classic rock and yeah. jazz to a very, very small percentage. Yeah. Of I've seen some, some, some of the modern jazz guys even picking up on, on some of the, the Paul Reed Smiths. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I think Paul Reed Smith has some of their own issues, but by and large, like, I think they make great guitars at a great price and one of the biggest things I think you should be looking for is bang for your buck. And that's just where I have a hard time with Gibson and Fender. It's not mm-hmm. that they're bad guitars. It's just that if you want to spend $2,000, how far do you want that $2,000 to go? Yeah, that's it. That's the question. Anyway, Gibson, we're skeptical. But if you want to sponsor us, we, uh, we think you're great. I'm, I'm <laughs> more than willing to try out your guitar and, and give a... honest uh completely unbiased review so absolutely i like how you're making the money fingers john yeah fingers (laughs) unbiased review (laughs) so one of the reasons why we've been why it's taken us so long to get back on board is we've been both been super busy um but we've been also been playing a good bit of music in our in our you know we found time for it um so one thing john was talking to me about when you know we had our last catch-up chat was that he was writing and working on new music and i was just curious if we could talk about writing because i'm currently writing some guitar parts now i'm going in to put down some lead on my new some songs that i've batch cooked i don't know if i'm going to release it as an ep altogether or one by one but yeah it's kind of forcing me to kind of get a little it's not like lyric writing it's guitar writing so i wanted to talk to john about that um and how he structures stuff and do you have any practices so yeah John, yeah so i was wondering like in terms of composing or stuff that you've been working on are you working on an ep or what what are you working on first um i've got a couple of things in the works um i'm trying to do i've got some academic composition stuff i call it academic because I mean, if I'm totally honest, the only people that really care about it are people that are into modern, contemporary, call it classical, yep, avant-garde <laughs> music, nerd music, like, you know, and so the only people that listen to this are academics, really, um, or people that are still in love with academic music. So I'm writing some of that. Um, hopefully there's a concert coming at the end of summer, maybe early fall with that. Um, I'll be 
kind of I'm, I'm working with a couple other composers to kind of pull together a concert and write some nerdy academic music for people so um so there's that but it is guitar based um guitar and electronics type stuff um and then i've also got two or three tracks that i just i'd like to put out just a really simple guitar based ep here probably by the end of the year and see just i don't know i just need to write some music i'll just put it that way yeah i i, I totally hear you and so that would be kind of guitar based instrumental stuff yeah yeah a lot of the stuff that you know the listeners would know i listen to and you know so um kind of along the lines of some of the intervals stuff i've been really impressed with uh just a, a few of their albums and kind of how he structures his guitar parts that they're not always overwhelming which is nice um i think i think his sense of melody is really good and his sense of when to be flashy and mm-hmm. when to um just play the melody is really good so sweet Anyways, no, I, yeah. yeah that sounds that sounds good i mean just uh, focusing on melody as we've said before is one of my you know it's one of my sweet spots when it comes to if it's something that you can hum that's uh that's you know a big thing for me in terms of composition um yeah so that's kind of one of the re- approaches i've taken essentially i recorded all you know the rhythm tracks on acoustic guitar and now i'm just putting down some lead over it but how i'm doing it is i'm feeding the tracks through a uh, garage band or garage band for our north americans <laughs> garage car hold band uh, <laughs> oh so, mr lati dog garage <laughs> <laughs> so Carhol. Um so I <laughs> Carl, what have been, what have been uh, doing. Okay. That's that's what it's gonna be from now on. I'm sorry. Carhol man. <laughs> that's it. Uh so what I've been doing essentially is I've been listening to the songs uh through through that uh you know guitar system, uh Carhol band, and I've been just kind of humming what I kind of feel would sound right over them into a mic. And basically just listening back and seeing if I can come up with guitar melodies through what sounds right, you know, just from like humming or singing or something over it. But no, no lyrics or anything, just basically trying to recreate guitar parts that I can hear in my head, but I can vocalize them. It's a really mm-hmm. neat trick that I learned because I'd, I'd find myself walking and listening to the, the demo tracks through my phone and just like humming something. I'm like, I really need to actually get this down so I can actually like play guitar over it. So I'm just using the interface. But yeah, it's been interesting. I think so I'm curious like with that like while you're walking around do you have a tendency to sort of continually repeat the lick that's in in your head kind of like hum it over and over so you can remember it yeah or I'll just create a separate kind of recorder track on my phone and just Mm. sing into it and just go oh you know for this bridge section maybe this and then you know run home and try (laughs) all together and then if if you listen to it the next day and it doesn't sound like hot garbage, you, you try and keep it. But no, it's yeah. it's 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 that thing as well. And you could there's so many different ways to go about it. Um, I think using effects is is pretty cool, as long as you don't go too overboard. Like I've got a lot of you know since buying my little trolleycopter pedal, I've been putting some light tremolo on you know the the demos and it's sounding good. And cool. so yeah, that's kind of what I've been working on as well. But yeah, the guitar writing process—it's a—it's a fickle mistress. A lot of people like to use drum machines or click tracks or something like that yeah. in terms of like writing. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really gone that far yet, but yeah, but so, kind of- I, I like the singing thing. That reminds me of when we t- spoke to Ben Levin, because um, mm. he said something very similar. Like he tried to 
you'd try to hum or sing a part and then then learn it on the guitar um, and go from there. I think, and, and some of the other people that we've talked to have said something similar. Um, and you get kind of the, the same idea that it, it keeps it memorable and it keeps it melodic instead of just kind of running patterns on the guitar. I think that's, yeah. that's a big danger as a guitarist is give me that major pent minor pentatonic scale yeah five, exactly five, 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 seven, five, seven. <laughs> yay. yay she's back <laughs> or inevitably you, you you fall into those patterns even unintentionally and i know i do that a lot when uh, i'm just improvising i mean all i have those days where i've got four or five students in a row and we're just shredding over an e minor backing track and i find myself playing the same like C shape, G major, yeah, it basically like shred riffs, and I'm like, okay, how can I work out of this? And 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 even in those situations, just to think differently. So I think it's really good to to break yourself of the habit of the shapes you already know by forcing your. Plus, it's good ear training, right? Forcing yourself to learn um, melodies that you can hum. I think that's really cool. I like that. I, I, I know that it's not something I do all the time. I usually find myself kind of thinking outside of trying to think outside of the shapes, but not always humming a melody, if that makes any sense. But I, I, I think I need to work on adopting that a little bit. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 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 hard like to to kind of get into that because sometimes you just want to if you can play super fast, you just if you have that ability, you kind of just want to squeeze that into places. You want to go fully ingve, and it's not it's not always going to work. But right. yeah, that 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 approach to home ability, um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that now and actually what we've been listening to. But uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh um, yeah, I mean, as far as writing, like um, because I, I do actually want to dovetail on, on like breaking the shapes because that's been on my mind as well. Uh, but as far as writing goes, like for me, I usually don't use a drum track, which is not always great because I want whatever rhythm I'm hearing or um, I want to work out the harmonic parts or the melodic parts first, completely outside of that okay. drum track, uh, which, you know, you, we've talked about it so many times before, work a metronome, figure it out. Um, so usually it's a bit of reverse engineering on my part that I have to, you know, so if I figure out the rhythm part first, then it's kind of like, okay, what time signature is, is it in? And, what goes here and where does this go and i end up with things like okay well this part's in seven and that part's in four and then it goes to six and then it repeats you know and it feels like some sort of crazy prog rock song or rush instrumental or something yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um but then the same thing's true kind of with the melody stuff when i'm working out those melody parts i want it to be something that that is not necessarily constricted by a drum groove because i find anytime I, I sit down with a drum groove like i just end up playing what the drums are playing and it yeah. just sounds kind of boring so i'm not great at drum programming either so i have a tendency to pass that stuff off to somebody and be like hey do something creative with what this is here's the chart here's what i'm doing play along you know 
yeah i think with with drum tracks as well one of the shortcomings of it is that you'll find a tempo or a groove you like and it'll just start sounding like a different somebody else that you're influenced by you know it's yeah. it's you you get you get kind of restricted by it you're kind of stuck in i like that idea of basically coming up with something original first and then working around that melody or that you know that um, time signature as opposed to starting with something you know it has to be four four it has to be this you know ben levin will be proud john yay thank you ben levin um yeah yeah so i don't know do we want to do what we've been working on because i feel like that sort of dovetails really nicely to what we were talking about yeah yeah absolutely so john i'll ask you what have you been working on okay (laughs) surprise surprise I think I've mentioned this before, but I kind of, I wanted to work a little bit on improving my speed um, and, and dexterity. So I've been looking at the Rick Graham legato exercises, oh. another shameless plug for him. Come on the show, Rick, please. So we, um, I've got a couple of his books and I've been working through those, but what I've noticed is he picks these kind of weird legato patterns that are not necessarily located just within one scale shape he likes to stretch them across the fretboard he likes to use four finger patterns so you know like on the high e string you've got the e the f sharp the g and the a so 12 14 15 17 you know something weird like that um which you wouldn't normally think about or you wouldn't necessarily think yeah i'm gonna play that because it doesn't fall under your fingers really easily a lot of sliding back and forth and for me it's been good because it's i take the lick and i think you should do this anytime you you find a lick is try to put it in a different key try to move it around even if that means changing strings kind of perform the same lick on a different string and now you've changed everything about it but understand what you're doing about it. Think about the notes. Think about how it relates to another scale. Make the lick minor versus major. Put it into a weird mode, sharp four, whatever. Um, but playing through his, his exercises is helping me to kind of break out of some habits. And while I can see my way up and down the fretboard like I'm supposed to, there's always things that fall under your fingers really comfortably. And you're going to go yeah. back to, and you're just going to yeah. go... naturally into this little descending run and there's a descending run that i play all the time that's kind of a a conglomeration of like three guitar licks from like satriani luca and i don't know petrucci or somebody that i just kind of grab these three components and i but i the problem is is i play it all the time and so it's like okay i need to i need to find something else to put here uh, and so just kind of breaking outside of that box, whether it's putting on a jam track and running some of these licks or just practicing them with a metronome so that they're in time after saying that I don't write with a metronome all the time, but <laughs> you know, I wanted to be in time. Yeah. So that's, that's been, that's been kind of a cool source of inspiration and a cool way to to really kick my butt a little bit and think about things because i think it's easy to just do technical exercises which is kind of what these are designed to be but i think if you put in the work in any technical exercise you can make it musical and you probably should would be my take on that so what about you what obviously the writing stuff but what uh, what have you been working on 
So in an effort to improve or just to try and sit down and learn more, I suppose, more lead playing, because as a, you know, as a song or singwriter, I would play like a lot of rhythm. Um, I've been trying to take a different solo every week to learn. And it, I, I, I posted on Instagram on Sundays. Now it's nothing too big. They're kind of solos that I'd be more, that I'd be more familiar with. You know, I could always, you know, hum them. I've grown up with them, but I've never actually sat down to learn them. So uh, Chris Zupa has come, come in very handy with his YouTube channel in terms of just putting them in like bite-sized chunks that I can come back to every day. So uh, I'm on my third week of doing it for solo Sundays, which I've, I've really enjoyed. So this week I'm learning the first solo to Sweet Home Alabama, which I've always wanted to learn, but never sat down and learned. So it's fun. It's, it's, it's good. It's, it's just something that when I'm, you know, work along the day, if I can spend like 15, 20 minutes on it and just, you know, use it for my social meds as well, you know? It's, yeah, it's, uh, there you go. Um, so there's that, and there's also um, you know working with Carhole Band to uh, put together my my licks that I'm going to record this weekend. Um, I don't know if I've said this to you on the show, but uh, so the guy I'm so the guy oh, I'm recording. Two, two that's okay. <laughs> hey, so, what's up? I hope we keep this in. Oh, okay. I'm I'm recording Dylan at the moment. I just got some bad news. <laughs> okay i was i was just making sure everything was okay so i'm fine john oh and dylan says he's fine too <laughs> so. yeah. we're keeping this in huh? yeah <laughs> okay she says that uh she's glad dylan is fine too so oh, thank you yes everybody dylan is fine everybody is dylan dave am like, i what <laughs> okay Everybody's fine. Okay, great, great. Okay, I will call you back in a little bit. Okay. All right, there you go. We could leave that in for laughs. That would be very <laughs> weakly. It would be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I have, you've, you've interrupted my train of thought. Uh, but yeah, I've just been um, just working on that stuff and trying to oh so anyway the point i wanted to make is that the guy that i'm recording with i don't know if i told you this i'm working with um dave keary who's the lead guitar player for van morrison yeah no and you didn't tell me that but that's amazing he wow. is the, he's the producer for these songs so yeah it's it's weird he uh we're working in his studio in my hometown of limerick city yurt and he is really really cool he's you know he's been playing with van morrison for 20 years you go through all the youtube videos and he's there in every one of them and he's got some stories man but he he was like he was like what do you play and i was like oh i play a taylor 110 and he's like oh i love that guitar i'm actually sponsored by taylor and he points over to his corner of like free taylor guitars that he's been given and i'm like oh, oh my god. gosh oh and, yeah but he does a lot of session work and I was like, Oh yeah, do you have much of a rig? And he's like, No, not really. But I swear to God, that katana has saved my ass on so many occasions. <laughs> and I'm like, Well, if it's good enough for you. Oh uh, my gosh, that's hilarious. The katana. Yeah. So oh, I need my to, word. I need to have my, my chops up this weekend for going in and not wasting his time. Heck, or I might just get him to do all the lead guitar parts. So yeah, it it'll it'll be fun. But uh, yeah, what have you been? Uh, what have you been listening to, John? Oh man, um, I'm trying to trying to zero in on something as I'm scrolling through my most recent stuff on Spotify. There's there's been a bunch of different things. It's been all over the map. Um, so it's it's hard for me to like pick one thing. But 
I came across through kind of a workout playlist. I came across <laughs> the most nerdy metal band of all time, or at least one of them. So they're called X Deo, and it's like an entire Latin themed, like ancient Roman themed oh. metal thing. Oh. So one of them is like, you know, that they, they talk about the, uh, this, okay, so I'm going to nerd out on history here real quick. The Second Punic War, uh, which was against Hannibal. So it's Must all, it's, it's this like concept album with Hannibal. It, you know, it's just, it's metal and it's fun. It's good to work out to. I'm very um, curious. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you can definitely roll your eyes. That is for sure. Uh, Periphery had a new album come out. I've been kind of checking that out as well because, as you know, I am generally speaking a fan of Periphery. Maybe not right. as some of our listeners, but um, I've got mixed feelings about it. I'll say that. So okay, some some of it I really like, and some of it I'm like, I don't get why this is here. A little too synth pop for Periphery. So, um, but that's that's kind of the metal side of things. And then uh, a few Amon Tobin's got a new album out. Who's um, a really interesting artist, uh, kind of, he f- typically falls into the electronic music EDM scene, but his stuff is not normal for that stuff. Okay. Genre. So yeah. Yeah. I'm on Tobin. Um, some of it's, some of it's kind of weird, not going to lie, but, uh, really interesting use of sound, really interesting compositional elements. Uh, I think he's fantastic, but. Yeah, anyway, like I said, kind of all over the map. And that doesn't even count like the acoustic stuff I've been checking out. Callum Graham's got a new album out, like all kinds of things. So fun times. Yeah, <laughs> the funnest. Anyway, what are what are you been scrolling through? Well, it's no um, you know, ancient Roman uh, power metal, I'm afraid. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so I I really want to check out that band. You got to link me though. Um, okay. <laughs> I, um, so I've been listening to a few different things. I don't know. Have you heard of Steve Lacey? Uh, the name sounds familiar. Why does it sound familiar? So Steve Lacey is this. I, I don't know his actual background. He's like a producer, but he's also a guitarist in um, in LA, and he did a lot of the work on Tyler the Creators. Um, oh, okay last few albums he, he's had some demos out he's from compton and um, he's you know on a lot of you know modern hip-hop uh, yeah. which is really interesting because if you listen to a, a lot of modern hip-hop the guitar is back man it's weird and it it's it is it's like Caliuchus and Mac Miller, um, R.I.P. And, you know, he's just it, it, it's Denzel Curry. There's so, so much more guitar out there now. So Steve Lacey, um, I've been following for a while, and he is actually on the new Vampire Weekend album, which um, I'm really, really enjoying. It's, it's a double album. It's, it's a bit of a slog. It wouldn't be the first thing I'd recommend if you're new to Vampire Weekend. And I know everybody, you know, considers them to be those, you know, uh, art school indie rockers yeah but um his stuff on their new album i really really like um so you can even just like you can find that album on spotify and you can see that you know his it feature featuring him 
I really do like the guitar lines on that. Um, another thing that I've been listening to is a band called Kenosha Kid. Um, kind of classic story there. Oh, where are they from? Let me just check now. Yeah, it's basically this jazz guy who he, he basically loops a lot of guitar parts and then he has a live band playing along with him. Um, yeah, they're from Georgia. Um, they've been going apparently for quite a few years. Classic thing in terms of I heard that they were playing Galway and I started listening to them all week and then found out that I couldn't go. And no. <laughs> it was that thing. But apparently they put on quite the live show. Um, and yeah, that's that's basically, those are the two main things. Just a lot of hip hop, a lot of podcasts. But yeah, um, another artist I would actually recommend is uh, called Still Woozy. He's this Dutch guy who records like ambient hip hop in his garage studio. But uh, it's it's full his of jazz guitar. studio. Carl. <laughs> Bam. Um, his... Uh, yeah, his it's the jazz chords are lovely, and I got a shout out. Do you know Sam Blakelock? Yes. Yes, he's on again. Instagram. Yeah, he does Instagram guitar lessons, and they have been blowing my mind. Just in terms of he'll explain everything. Like he did this lesson, like it was like a three minute lesson on how to form ninth chords and where to use them, and I was like blowing my mind right now because I'm like that sounds so good, and he's just like, oh, you can do it this way, this way, this way, and I ended up watching the video like five times but yeah it was great really really cool way of learning just you know scrolling through instagram and finding all these free lessons um so yeah that's me john i believe that's the show we were supposed to go a bit uh you know a bit of a shorter episode today but you know as usual that never happens yeah back in the I saddle, gibson. yeah shame on you gibson please send us a free guitar <laughs> <laughs> I, I, i'll burn my prs no um yeah so we do have a few interviews hopefully in the pipeline which would be great to kind of get going soon we're apo- we, we apologize for the hiatus um adulting responsibilities have got in the way but we're back now baby yes so yeah. in the meantime catchphrase catch <laughs> in the meantime stay sharp <laughs> good god <laughs>